The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Welcome to She Was The Fire. I'm your host, Courtney Mangan, business owner, productivity enthusiast, pop culture addict, and three-time cancer fighter. This podcast is a go-to guide for women looking for advice and hacks on how to ignite her fire, own her crown, organize her schedule, and live her best damn life, whatever that means. Hello, sunshine, and welcome to She Was a Fire. It's time to stop dancing in the dark. Let's start your fire and ignite your spark. Thank you for tuning in to this month's court report. This is basically the episode where I give you all of my top recommendations for the month and basically just going through everything that I've consumed that I have enjoyed. All right, before we get into it, as always, call to action. If you could follow me at Courtney Mangan and tag me in your stories if you're listening, and don't forget to rate and review if you haven't done so already. All right, so we're kicking off with a fire starter, and I was like, oh, what song am I going to choose? And the first things I'm talking about today is going to be something about Nicole Kidman. So it was reminding me of Moulin Rouge. So we're going with Lady Marmalade. What a banger that song is. All right, let's ignite today's topic. We've got the September Court Report. First up for Verdict is In, a show that I watch is Nine Perfect Strangers, which is the Nicole Kidman show. So this is a new show that's been on Prime that everyone's been talking about. Um, Basically, it's based on the New York Times bestseller, Nine Perfect Strangers, same name. And it takes place at like a boutique health and wellness resort that um, promises healing and transformation. And then they have like these nine stressed city goers who are trying to like find a way to a better path in life, I guess. And the show basically has them on this 10 day retreat at this resort. And Nicole Kidman is the director of the resort. And she's like a woman on a mission to like reinvigorate um, these tired people and their minds and change their lives. However, like these nine perfect strangers really have no idea what's coming. (laughs) Um, And you as a viewer do not either. So it stars a whole bunch of celebrities. It's got Nicole Kidman, um, Melissa McCarthy, Regina Hall, Bobby Carnaval, also Ozzy Ashaketty, who is one of my all-time favorites. There's heaps of amazing actors in it. And that's probably the best part about this show, the names in the credits, unfortunately. was shot in Australia, which is really nice. A little shout out to the Aussie location there. Um, I think it might have been shot mm, maybe like that Byron area. I might have just made that up. I'm not sure. Um, This show had so much potential, but it was just so weird. And it just never really got any better. It just was like a bunch of misfit people with bad fake accents. Nicole Kidman has done some brilliant accents in the past. Obviously, she's American all the time. She's done a really great South African accent in the past as well in a movie called The Translator, I think. But this was bad. Her Russian accent was bad. It was like, is she Russian? Is she Australian? Is she American? It's She's so many things. It was not very good at all. I love Nicole Kidman, but this is probably not anything that I would say is her best work. Um, one thing that I think it did do well was like I thought it was building anticipation and intrigue well, but like on reflection, I think it was actually building confusion 
because I'm still a bit like baffled as to what was even going on. And I just couldn't connect to the storyline or to really any of the characters. I really thought that Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale were the only good thing that really stood out to me in this and like the only storyline that I was invested in. So as I said, it's like about nine perfect strangers that go to this retreat together. And then it's all about their different lives, sort of how it plays out why they need to be at a wellness retreat, the trauma that they might have experienced. Um, Not everyone is a stranger though. Like three of the people are a family. There's a couple. So whilst it is nine perfect strangers, not everyone is a stranger to one another. Um, But yeah, I think that it was just a lot of good actors with not a lot to work with on the script. I think that I've heard amazing things about the book, but the show didn't live up to what the book potential was. And the showrunner was David E. Kelly. So he had so much potential because he's just like a an icon of television. David E. Kelly has produced some amazing television over the years. But this just was a really odd show that I did not really enjoy. I kept watching it week to week because I just expected it to get better because there was so much hype and the book was so much like bestseller, New York Times bestseller. Everyone was saying, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. Even Belinda, my friend, had said like, oh my God, the book's so good. And then this just didn't hit the mark for me. It kind of was like a show I recommended last month called White Lotus. It had similar elements of that where it was a lot about like privilege, rich people going away on this retreat. But White Lotus was far better, just a much better show, which I do recommend that you watch. But Nine Perfect Strangers just did not hit the mark for me. It was strange and I just couldn't get into it. So there's that. Next up for The Verdict is in, we have another show that I could not get into, uh, Clickbait on Netflix. Everyone and their mum has been raving about this show. And so I went into it like excited to watch it because everyone's been talking about it. But actually, no, that's a lie. I'm lying. I'm just straight up lying. I watched this show begrudgingly. (laughs) I didn't want to watch this, which is why it's taken me so long. It's been out for a few weeks. Usually when there's a big show, I'll watch it straight away. But there was something about the trailer that just did not get me into it. And I'm not hugely into Adrian Grenier. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name from Entourage. So I wasn't really that intrigued by this show. But the amount of hype around it made me think like, okay, well, I have to watch this. I, I talk about new shows and reviewing things all the time. So I should watch it. Um, and I don't understand what everyone is so excited about this show for. And then when I went and saw the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, they gave it a 55% and I felt very seen and very heard, let me tell you. But basically, in case you don't know what clickbait is, everybody is talking about it at the moment, but a man called Nick is abducted in like a sinister online twist. Um, And then there's like this race to kind of find out who's behind kidnapping him. So he gets kidnapped and then he appears on essentially like YouTube with a video being like, I have abused women. I've murdered a woman. If this video gets to 5 million views, I will be killed. And so then it's about like the behind the scenes of like his family and the police trying to like find where he is. Um, And every episode has like a new twist and a turn. Um, I thought that it was going to be like an analysis on cancel culture or like how society glamorizes crime um, and like crime investigation, how we glamorize that whole like people getting involved, try and solve crimes or like the dangers of social media in a digital age, like kind of like Black Mirror, how it, it analyzes a lot of those kinds of topics. But it turns out it's just a shitty thriller with a Netflix marketing budget. 
It is full of like old thriller tropes, cliches, bad attempts at Mr. X, terrible acting, and it just got more pointless as the show went on. As each twist was revealed, they became more and more implausible and just less interesting. I just, yeah, I'm not going to reveal what happens, but I was like at the end of it, like, what was the point of this show and why is everybody so hyped up? And there are people here like my friends in this office, my colleagues that are like, I loved this show. I was obsessed. I was on the edge of my seat. I just felt like I could see through every plot device that they were using and it was just like so blah. I don't know. I think that sometimes when everyone's watching something at the same time, we can all get like whipped up into a frenzy because everyone's watching it at the same time. And it's like, oh my God, did you binge this? What episode are you up to? Oh my God, who do you think did it? And we all get into that. And I think that's what happened here because it was terrible. Anyway, some of you I'm sure are going to at me about it because you loved it, but I just, I've seen so many better crime thrillers, I guess is my issue. All right. Next up, I also watched He's All That on Netflix, which is another thing that was hyped up. Um, It's a movie and it is basically the remake or reboot of She's All That, the movie that you would remember from the, what is it, like late 90s, early noughties, I guess. Um, Basically, it's about an influencer who specializes in makeovers um, and she has to transform an unpopular classmate into prom king. So it's basically She's All That, but the reverse. So it's Freddie Prince Jr. is a popular guy, whereas this one is about a popular girl played by Addison Rae, who is one of the most uh, famous people on TikTok. And People are really liking this and they thought it was really cute. And I guess when you look at rom-coms, especially teenage rom-coms, the standard is not like super high. It's not like we're comparing it to Oscar-worthy films here. But I just didn't really like it. I don't. I really wanted to because I love a rom-com. You know, like all the boys I used to love before. Like I loved that movie. But I felt like I just didn't understand why we were so hating on influencers, which I felt like was a bit weird given like Addison is an influencer, that it just seemed like snarky and like paying out influencers and rude about that whole job. Um, I thought it was disrespectful to people in social media, to be honest, which I think, you know, a lot of society does think that way. Obviously, I work on the other side with a lot of influencers and brands that work with influencers. Um, and, you know, I have a following myself, small following, but still, you know, i I portray similar things where I'm talking about my life online. Um, And so I guess I come at it from a different perspective, especially since I feel that I'm using my, in quotation marks, influence for a good purpose to have a reason to um, have people protect the skin they're in and go and get skin checks. And I'm trying to do it to save lives. Um, A skinfluencer, as some might say. But yeah, I just think that it was just a nasty kind of look at that job um, and was just a bit bit silly, if I'm being honest. Um, It also felt like an older person had written it that doesn't really understand social media. Um, I didn't really get the chemistry between the two characters um, and it certainly didn't live up to the original. But I also felt like the problem with the original is when you look at something back then, you can see it for what it is. It's like, yeah, well, this was the 90s or the early 2000s, whatever it was. You can just take it for what it is. Whereas now watching a movie through the lens that we have and you know that it's being made today, 
those 90s tropes around like appearances and the cool group and things like Mean Girls and all that kind of stuff, like it just doesn't really fly as much anymore. And I feel like we have progressed further than that. Like when you see shows like Sex Education and you see um, the progressive take that they have on things, it just felt a little dated in that way that we were going backwards a little bit. It's like, oh, it's about he's not hot enough and we just need to cut his hair and now he's hot. And it just felt a little bit dated like that. So I would have liked to have seen like a, a more interesting spin on it that wasn't just about like outcast who dresses grungy and now he's in a suit and he's a cool guy. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, this was a bit of a miss for me. All right, next up, I'm going to recommend what you should be watching. And this is actually a bit of an interesting one for me because I've never, or I don't usually recommend something I haven't finished, but this show is being released every single week. So it's something that I don't know where we're headed yet. I've watched six of the 10 episodes that are to come. It's on Disney and it's only Murders in the Building. And it's a great show. I will tell you that this is a comedy I'm about to give you a summary about it, and it makes no sense that it's a comedy, but that is what it is. So basically, it's about these three strangers in a building. So Martin Short and Steve Martin, who you would know as like famous, iconic comedians from, I guess, together they were in Father of the Bride, which is just another amazing film. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. And it also stars Selena Gomez. It has cameos from Tina Fey and Sting, so some big heavyweight cameos as well that was quite that's quite interesting. But basically, it's about these three strangers who come together because someone is murdered in the building. They all live in the same apartment building together and someone is murdered and they come together because they're all true crime addicts to try to solve this murder in the building. And it's them navigating this true crime vibe. They're also starting a podcast together. So they're trying to uncover all the evidence and they're kind of realizing that maybe the murderer might actually live in the building as well. So they're trying to figure that out so they feel safe. But then also they don't know each other. So navigating this whole like telling each other lies and unraveling of each other's stories and how that could be involved in the murder as well. So it's quite an interesting concept and it's really funny, um, but it's a silly approach to true crime. And it's like really insightful and hilarious all in one. It's sharp and witty and explores the concepts of loneliness in an interesting way as well, I think. The boys are great. Steve Martin and Martin Short are just absolutely hilarious. Comedic timing, 10 out of 10. I think that they, maybe the script wasn't as amazing as what they're elevating it to. I think that if anybody else was kind of reading this script, it probably wouldn't be as good, but these guys, like their chemistry together is so good. Um, I don't know what is happening with Selena Gomez, if I'm being honest. She's being praised for this role. Um, but I don't know if I'm praising her. I feel like I'm watching a Kardashian. You know how when you watch uh, like Courtney Kardashian talk, everything is monotone and there's no expression on her face. That's what it feels like watching Selena Gomez. And I'm like, is she putting this on? It almost is like she has so much Botox in her face that she can't give any expression. And I don't, I'm not saying that she has Botox. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. I have no idea if that's maybe the direction she's taking the character, or if she does have Botox, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I'm just trying to say that there's 
no movement on her face at all when she's happy or when she's mad. Like there's just no expression and her tone is just monotone the whole time. I'm finding her hard to watch if I'm being honest, but she is being praised for the role. So I'm wondering if like this is a character choice and not just like her being a bad actress. I I don't know, but I'm not really... When I'm watching like two such great comedic actors on screen like Steve Martin and Martin Short, I'm finding it hard to kind of get behind Selena Gomez's vibe, um, but that could just be the the choice that she made for the character, which does feel true to the character, I must say. So I could be like being a little bit judgmental about that, but yeah, I'm just not hugely sold on that. The chemistry is definitely key to this um, show, as I said, because yeah, I think the script maybe isn't necessarily that funny, but these boys make it like really silly. It's very unique. It's a different show, but I'm really, really enjoying it and not so much as to even like find out like who done it to get the answer, but more just like I'm enjoying the ride that we're on. So yeah, I recommend that. It's not scary in any way, shape or form. So I do recommend that if you like true crime, but sometimes you don't want it to be so heavy. All right, next up, I have one of my favorite recommendations for this month, and that is Ted Lasso. And that is on Apple Plus, and it's got two seasons. Season two is airing at the moment, and they're just 30-minute episodes, real quick ones. It's basically about Ted Lasso, who is played by Jason Sudeikis. Uh, He's a small-time football coach in America, and he's hired as a professional soccer coach in England, has no experience Football in America is obviously very different to football in England. Football in America is like Super Bowl, gridiron. Football in England is, you know, bend it like Beckham. Um, and he's hired to do like a, like a professional Premier League team. So very serious. And he's navigating this British world, I guess, from his American place, like perspective. Um, it's full of like American cliche style motivation, which is like the perfect juxtaposition to the British way of life, which is just really not that American cliche motivation. So it's really opposite to that English culture. It is a similar vibe, I guess, if I would think of another show, maybe The Good Place. It's that similar kind of vein show. There's so much heart and warmth in this show. It's such a feel-good comedy. You do not need to like football or know anything about soccer. You just It's just lovely to watch. It's all about kindness, being humble, hope. And although it is a comedy, I do feel like it also touches on toxic masculinity um, with like deeper issues that it, it gets into, which I really like. Um, some of the characters are almost like cartoons, I guess. They don't even feel like real people, but... I just, I love each of them and it's just such a beautiful show to watch. I really, really love it and I really recommend it. It might not be from the trailer. You might be like, why would I want to watch a bunch of boys playing soccer and like a football coach? But there's just so much heart in this show that it's just lovely. All right, next up is another great recommendation and we're talking about sex education on Netflix and season three has just aired. What a show. So it's basically about a teenage boy who has a sex therapist mother and he teams up with his high school classmate and they set up like an underground sex therapy clinic at school where he kind of uses all of the stuff he's heard his mum say over the years to give advice to other students about their sex life. So they're teenagers in high school. Um, And as I said, season three has just aired and it has, they've 
created a new character for season three, which is played by Jemima Kirk from Girls, and she's brilliant in this show. I also shout out to Gillian Anderson, who's been in all three seasons, who is also, I mean, shout out, like Gillian's listening to this, but she's just bloody brilliant. She's a hardworking woman. She was in The Crown and now she's in Sex Education. You might know her from, um, you know, X-Files or... um, the Fall, which is another great show. But yeah, she is fabulous in this show as well. I just feel like this TV show is so progressive. And I think sometimes with TV shows, with their second and third season, they can lose the core of what the show's about. Um, but sex education is like a fine wine. It just gets better with age. It's both entertaining and enlightening. It's raw and it's unafraid to tackle difficult topics. Every character's plot is as good as the next, which is often hard to find. Um, And there's nothing on TV this progressive right now, I don't think. Whilst it's a coming-of-age story like about teenagers, it also tackles like human rights, LGBTQ issues, female sexual empowerment, sexual assault, mixing it all in in like a a serious but also lighthearted way because it is essentially a comedy. Um, And, yeah, it's just... The issues with and the characters, everything's just so rich and deep. I just am obsessed with it. They're doing such a great job. It's not like a teenage show at all, so don't think like, oh, what am I watching here, like a teenager show? No, it's it's obviously set about teenagers, but the issues are issues for everyone. And, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's so good. All right, next up we have The Chair, which is uh, one season on Netflix, and it stars Sandra Oh, who you would know from Killing Eve and Grey's Anatomy. And she stars as the first woman of colour to be made the head of the English department at a prestigious university. And she just faces some extreme demands and high expectations because the university, like that department, is not performing very well. And so she's kind of put under this pressure cooker situation to kind of fix everything that's wrong with the department. Um, Sandra O, oh, I think we're used to seeing her play a really strong, smart, self-sufficient character. This is no different. Um, but I do really like that it was an exploration of a Korean-American woman, which we do rarely see in television, in pop culture. And it was great to see that her character's name is actually keeping a Korean name. Often we will see the names change to something that's more, I guess, westernised. So I think that that was really important and great to see on television. Um, Her counterpart in the show is basically this destructive morning widower who is just like all over the place, but really funny. The supporting cast are really great. Holland Taylor is in it. She's fabulous. And it's just all about like how colleges and universities, despite being like these sanctities of knowledge and debate and critical thinking, still hold all these old age structures. Um, And they're like trying to teach all these young people new things, but they're still quite antiquated in their ways. It's just a really smart kind of comedy. It was a really easy watch. I got through it really quick. It's just like short episodes, not many episodes in the season. Um, Great acting, great writing, and yeah, highly recommend. All right, next up, we're moving on to what to listen to this month. First up, so I have three podcasts for you. First up, we have Sentimental Garbage, and Sentimental Garbage is a podcast by um, Carolyn Donahue, who's the writer of Promising Young Women, which is also a book that was made into a wonderful film that I also recommend, and I have recommended on a previous episode and she is the host of this podcast but they've just done like a an eight-part series specifically 
from this episode just on Sex and the City. So the podcast has many other episodes, but then they did an eight-parter with Dolly Alderton, who is also an amazing author, and she wrote Everything I Know About Love, um, which I've recommended on this podcast before as well. And they just get on there and they talk about Sex and the City. And it's just two girls breaking down each season of Sex and the City, and you feel like you're listening to your mates while you're having a cocktail, just talking about something that we love. And it's just great timing because the Sex and the City reboot is around the corner and it made me kind of critically think about the content that I was consuming when I was listening, watching Sex and the City back in the day and the impact it was having and the issues that they discuss and how much goes into it. Um, and so, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed that. So it was sentimental garbage. Um, then the next episode, the next podcast I've listened to this month that I found to be interesting was called Something Was Wrong. Um, this is an award-winning podcast, true crime docu-series, um, and it's about, I guess, like discovering trauma and recovering from shocking life discoveries and abusive relationships often. Um, and this latest season is kind of like Dirty John vibes. And I'm finding it really interesting. So as I said, like it's a true crime. So it's, you know, a docu-series. Um, and season nine is the season that I'm listening to at the minute. And it features the story of two survivors who were brought together by a traumatic life experience to solve a shared mystery. Who the fuck is Artie? And that's what the whole season is about. Who is Artie? And I'm finding it really interesting. It's very Dirty John vibes. Some guys kind of taking on like a a double life, a bit of a con man vibe. Um, as I said, it is a true story that they're t- retelling. You're getting like true, the people involved um, that are coming together to like tell this story are like on the podcast, getting question, answering things. And yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm enjoying that. Um, it isn't finished yet, so I don't know where it's headed, but we shall see. And another podcast that I've listened to as well this month, is Everybody Knows, which is an Australian podcast. It's a five-part investigative series examining the rise and fall of the Me Too movement in Australia under the context of, like, Sony music within Australia. Um, And it's presented by, you know, one of Australia's most popular daily news podcasts, 7am. And this was eye-opening to me because I've actually consumed a lot of Me Too content, but I'm realising it's all from America books I've recommended, other podcasts, movies. It's all around America and obviously Hollywood and that Harvey Weinstein scandal. And I was wondering why I hadn't really consumed much in Australia. And that's because this podcast examines how the Me Too movement in Australia only lasted five days. So I highly recommend that. It's not like a murder mystery where you're waiting to see what happens or who done it or anything like that. It's just a really informative podcast examining why it didn't take off in Australia and why we haven't had that Me Too movement and how the media and the legal system in Australia has impacted the way women are able to come forward in this country and tell their stories around their sexual assault, obviously, or sexual harassment in the workplace. So yeah, it's a really interesting podcast. Highly recommend. And that is pretty much it from me. So let's move on to the Be Our Guest segment. Be our guest, be our guest. We have the guest from episode 308, Sexual Empowerment, Heartbreak and Living in the Public Eye, featuring Sophie Guidelin. All right, Sophie, what is your recommendation for the court report? The Sunday Girl. So it is a book by Pip Drysdale. It is such a good read. I think I read it in 24 hours because it was that 
good. What's it about? Um, it's literally about a girl who falls in love with this guy. Of course you like I know. That. I am such. I, I, I love love. I love love. No. Oh, I just ruined it. I ruined it. I ruined it. I ruined it. Nah, like, let me twist. ruin it. It's good because. So it ends in a really good way, but you don't know. But you guys are now going to get <laughs> spoiled, but it's so good. Please I let me spoil go, it. Go check that out. <laughs> it's a good book, I promise. All right, well, that is it from me. Let's finish up with the thought of the week, and it is a quote from Ted Lasso. Taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. All right, well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll be back next week with a new app. But in the meantime, make sure that you remember to protect the skin you're in and follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan and at She Was a Fire. Subscribe and share. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>